Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 183. And uh, I am so honored today to have on the phone, as I just show my cell phone into my webcam, uh, I, I don't have a, a whole home studio at E-Trunk. I'm sure, I mean, I'm assuming you're, you're home safe in New Jersey in your home studio. Is that where you are right now? Yep. Uh, just like everybody else in the times that we're in, uh, hunkered down and luckily, I'm able to continue working and do all the work I normally do. So that's that's been a big blessing to continue to be able to work. But yeah, I, I have a home setup that I've had ever since I went full time at Sirius XM doing a daily show live for them back about three years ago. And ever since then, they've given me a home setup, which makes my life a lot easier. Uh, just simply not having to commute into New York City every day. Oh, I can't even imagine. Well, I can imagine. I usually I've, I've commuted from Long Island or Brooklyn and. I'm in Queens now, but um, but yeah, it's, it's oh, don't, scary. Don't get me wrong. I did it for decades and decades, but after nearly 40 years in the business, it was the one thing that I was kind of like, <laughs> my show on Sirius XM is only two hours a day, mm-hmm. and it's like, I was like, I'm not going to commute for longer than I'm actually on the air, so right, <laughs> right. I usually go in about one day a week, uh, give or take, and, you know, do do show from the studio and walk the hall, say hello to everybody. But for the most part, the beauty of technology is we can pretty much work from anywhere. And uh, God, I've done my my show places people wouldn't even believe <laughs> over the years. So that's the great thing about having a mobile unit or a, a home studio these days. And now, obviously, sadly, with what's going on in the world with this pandemic, it turned into a real blessing to be able to at least generate new content every day. You're right. It's um, it's been unique. Where what we are as professionals, it's. I mean, thankfully, we get to do this from home. I know there are a lot of people who, who can't. But there is something. There is a part of our, our career that that, that we can't do right now. That's go to concerts. Yeah. What, what was the last concert you were at? Would have been about a month ago. Uh, it was definitely Alter Bridge, and it was at the Will Turn in Los Angeles. I go to L.A. again in normal times. I go to L.A. once a month for Sirius XM and I do uh, a, sh- a show from the rainbow and we have a live audience and we bring out great guests and it's it's called the Trump Nation LA Invasion and I've done that once a month for like the past year and a half ever since I started doing it we have great new studios out there as well so I've spent a lot of time in LA and Alter Bridge was one of the guests when I did my last show from the rainbow which was in February the end of February and they had played the night before. So Alter Bridge was the last show that I saw. Did you have any, t- any shows canceled uh, thus far? Cause I'm really hoping, I mean, obviously the health of our planet is more important than me seeing guns and roses in July, but that is yet to be postponed. So have you had any shows that you were really looking forward to that are now postponed or canceled? 
Well, I had events, you know, even though I am lucky that I can certainly still work and create radio every day and, and all the other things that I do, there are things just like everybody else I'm taking hits on in terms of losing a lot of work that I was affiliated with. So there are two cruises that I broadcast from. Those are obviously did not happen. They should have just been wrapping up right now. Mm -hmm. There is a big festival I've hosted every year since it started back in 07 in, in Oklahoma called Rocklahoma. And that has yet to be officially called. That's usually that's a Memorial Day weekend. So that is yet to be officially called. But I honestly, uh, at this point, I'd kind of be shocked if it happens, if it's not at the very least postponed. And then there are a lot of smaller shows and club shows and things like that. Uh, most of the stuff uh, that, that has gone to the wayside for me is just because there are things that I was sort of attached to as a host or what have you, because I do a lot of that kind of work. As far as just shows that I was personally looking forward to seeing, off the top of my head, no. But to be honest, Brandon, so much has been shifted around and moved and postponed that I kind of almost lost track of it because, mm -hmm. like I've been saying on my own show, it's basically going with the thing that, you know, everything's canceled, everything's postponed. And I think at this point, the news would be what actually is happening. Right. Because there's not a lot of things that are actually happening. Right. You know, and I'm sure just like, just like me and many of us, we're, we're looking forward to the, the Motley Crue, uh, Def Leppard Poison show, but at least we get videos of Vince Neil working out, I guess. And the, <laughs> well, I don't know. That's not been called yet, to my knowledge. Okay, has it? good. No, no, not yet. Yeah, I mean, so there are things that I think everyone are assuming, and, and probably pretty accurately, I'm just nervous. that are going to be impacted, but yeah. that, they, that hasn't been called yet, and at the time we're doing this, I still haven't heard anything from the Rocklahoma folks, so that's not called yet either. But uh, I think, you know, the, those things are two months, two months plus out. And I think the real thing here is is just nobody really knows. We're all in such uncharted territory that every day you turn on the news, there's a different story. Uh, there's a different fear as to how long this is going to last or the severity of it across the country in different areas, different pockets. People are experiencing different things. Just today, there was only some some states are still not having any restrictions. So it's really hard to figure, and I don't think anybody really knows. And I think that's part of the deal with the promoters as well. They're just kind of waiting it out and seeing. But a lot of the people I'm talking to in the business would say they'd absolutely be shocked if we had shows before the fall. You know, at the very yeah. earliest, and there are some that feel the whole year is going to get blown out. I, I don't know if that's actually accurate, but again, nobody really knows. You're right, and I know you're a sports guy just like me. We're all just, you know, day by day, but let's let's talk about happier times, I guess. Uh, yeah. Four years ago today, it was not a joke, uh, the April Fool's joke, that Guns N' Roses played the Troubadour. Did you? When did you first find out that all of this was going to happen, the reunion? Because you know before, you know, most people, the public knows, or did you not find out until they finally hit the stage? What was your... Your timeline of the whole GNR reunion. Well, I. Uh, it's funny because leading into the official announcement of the reunion, there were countless reports and rumors and people out there saying it was fact and what have you. And I shied away from preaching or not preaching but announcing or broadcasting that that was fact because i honestly didn't know hmm. 
And I had heard some stuff on the inside, and I'd heard some people that it was a done deal. But you know, I have a relationship with a lot of the guys in that band, mm-hmm. and I I just didn't want to be that guy who was going to sort of steal their thunder. So although a lot of people were in my ear telling me it was a done deal, and by the way, not anybody in the actual band, but people very close to their business and people I know in the industry, I refrained from going public with it really, just because you know I've I've done a couple. I was really the only guy that did a couple things with Axel in the last few years. Right. Slash is a close friend, as is Duff. The other guys in the band I know really well, uh, Frank and Richard and, and all of them. So I didn't I didn't want to be that guy, you know, Dizzy. I, I, you know, I love Dizzy. So I didn't want to be that guy, and I wanted to just kind of let it play out organically how it was going to play out. And I, I didn't know what was real. And I still didn't, I didn't really 100% know what was going on. And the really funny story about all that is that, and I will never forget this, and to this day I forgot to ask him what it was really all about, but Slash and I text a lot, but rarely do we actually talk on the phone because, I mean, I do that with tons of people. You just, you know, it's it's almost weird. I I (laughs) made a friend the other day, it's almost weird that the phone rings because you're like, whoa, the phone (laughs) actually works as a phone, you know? Because so many people are, you know, text everyone. I text my parents, I text everyone now. Sure. So um, I remember he called, I'll never forget it. It, it, I was driving somewhere and the phone rang and it was him. And I was like, this is weird because he never actually calls me. Or, you know, if we die here and there, yeah, but usually it's a text. So, um, phone rings and it's him. And I asked her and I go, Hey man, what's going on? You okay? And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. And I said, so what are you up to? He goes, I'm just, and he really had nothing to say. And I just thought it was like the strangest call I ever had (laughs) back in the days when he was getting loaded. And, uh, I, I said, and then I remember he said to me, I've never really told this story before. And then he said to me, um, he goes, because he, he will from time to time pick my brain about stuff going on out there and what I hear and you know, just sort of like, you know, getting he doesn't stay over overly tuned in to what's going on in, in the world of other bands or what have you. So he said to me, uh, yeah, man, what are you uh, what are you hearing about all this stuff about guns and reuniting and all that? Huh. And I go, you're asking me? <laughs> and, uh He's like, well, yeah, man. He goes, because you got your ear to the ground. I mean, what are people saying? I mean, I, I don't know anything about this. And I go, really? I said, so you know nothing about it? He goes, no, man. He goes, I don't know what people are talking about. You know, I'm doing my thing. And I'm very close with his band, you know, the conspirators, sure. all those guys, I'm really close with their great friends. And I, I said to him, uh, I, I don't know, man. I said, I'm just telling you it's out there and it's out there heavy. And he goes, yeah, I don't know. I'm really not sure where it's all coming from. And I'm just focused on the conspirator stuff. And I just, you know, I don't really know anything, man. I don't know what's going on with all this. I go, wow, that's real interesting. So you don't know nothing. He's like, no, man. He goes, I mean, you know, there's really just some, there's been some talk, but I don't know what's going on. And then I swear to you, like three days later, the reunion was announced. (laughs) So, so he, I, and to this day, and I keep forgetting, I just saw Slash. A month ago, because he was at the Alter Bridge show, I was at to see Miles, and I, I uh, to this day, I keep forgetting to ask him what that was about. And I'm sure if I do, he's just going to give me like a smirk <laughs> and not say too much because 
you know, I'm sure it was just him doing some misdirection and having some fun with me and knowing that wow. since I'm so entrenched in that scene that, you know, he was just kind of seeing what I was going to say and just like throwing out misdirection. I mean, cause he had to know what was going on then. So it's just really funny. And that was the first, so there was that. And then it officially got announced and then I knew what was going on. And, and I did not go to the Troubadour, but I did go to the very first show in Vegas. I mean, that that's just something else. I mean, to think Slash might be that calculated just to misdirect you and to, you know, hey, it's not happening. And then three days later, I would like to think that him and Axel didn't reconcile in three days, you know, since then. And every a tour got put together or shows in three days. So that that's that's fascinating. If, if next time I see that you're going to interview Slash, I'll tweet at you trying to remind you to. Yeah, I, I just think I, I mean, I just think he was messing with me a little bit and busting my balls. And he probably expected a call from me like a few days after the reunion was announced saying what the hell dude but uh <laughs> you know i just i know him well enough to know it was probably just him being good natured and having some fun with me and and then i you know then of course i went to the show in uh the very first show the very first proper show at t-mobile in vegas i was there and we actually put a big dinner together uh the night before that show he he knew i was coming out for it and he said to me uh, he could, you know, it was so crazy, obviously, being the very first show. But his band, uh, Mile, um, Brent and Todd and Frank all live in Vegas. Oh, okay, right, right, right. And Miles was coming in for the show. So we were all together hanging out, and uh, they were rehearsing at T-Mobile leading into that first show. And that was a really interesting time because I remember – yeah, everybody, everyone's just leaving him alone because obviously it was such a pressure-filled time leading into that first show. Mm -hmm. But then he had sent me a text the night before the first show, and he said, hey, he goes, I know that everybody's in town. I know you're here, and the guys live here, and Miles is coming in. He's like, he goes, you know, do you know a place here where we can all get together and be really off the radar and just get dinner and we can all just get together as friends and i said yeah a good friend of mine owns an italian restaurant there uh called the bootlegger and i said he'll he'll keep it off everyone's radar and we can get a, a back room and have a great night if you're up for it he's like yeah yeah so that's what we did we had a great we all had a great dinner the night before he came with his uh um his girlfriend that he's with now and and we had a, a great uh the guys in the band were there. Not anybody from else from Guns, but the guys in his band, and we had a great night. That was that was a great. That was actually a, you know a lot of fun and a great way to kick off leading into the show the next day. Awesome. Uh, I'm getting in some fan questions, so I, I want to be able to because people are excited to hear from you. Of course, um, this is from Brady McDonald. Uh, have you heard anything about Matt Sorum's book? Yeah, Matt was in touch with me. Recently, a month or so ago, about coming on my show to promote it and doing an interview with him about it, which, of course, they said, yeah. And then we were in a couple emails about it. And then he had looped in his publisher on one of the emails. And then I guess maybe three, four weeks ago, I got an email from the publisher saying the release date of the book has been pushed back i think they said till may or june okay. and they said that uh with the pushback of the 
release of release date they wanted to push the interview back and do it obviously closer to the release which makes sense so i just responded and i said all good when you guys are ready just let me know and they said they were going to send me in advance so i could read it before i spoke to them but i haven't seen that come through yet but i just my understanding is just they pushed the release of it and this was before all the virus stuff a lot of stuff is getting pushed because of the virus but this was before that they had had some delay so i don't know if the virus is going to push it back further but it was definitely delayed the release okay well i'm looking forward to that interview when it does happen uh this is from michaela she wants to know if you ever get a chance to interview izzy stradlin what is the question you would like to ask him most it's mm. a good question yeah probably why he didn't do the reunion if it what what if it was truly offered to him, if it was a money issue, if it was a, a political issue, a control issue, I don't know it, it, what 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 the issue was, because there was yeah kind of people said, and I guess Izzy had tweeted that that was uh, really one of these deals where it, it wasn't. I think it thinks kind of came out that he, financially the offer that was made to him was not to his liking. Um, but I don't know Izzy Stradlin at all. He He's actually the only guy of that entire band, past or present, that I don't know at all. And uh, I'd love to talk to him, but everyone knows he's a bit reclusive and does his own thing. But, you know, one day that would be awesome to have him on. But I, I, I can't speak for him. But my question my question would be what really happened and how close did, did it get that you went and played some shows and did you go to any shows? Because think about this: I mean, he could have he could have gone on gone in incognito in any of those shows, and people would never know he was there. Right. I doubt he did, but it would have been funny if he did. <laughs> totally for sure. I mean, half you know, if you're a casual fan, so many people think Richard Fortas is Izzy anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it, somebody was asking me before, and where was this? Well, I mean, Izzy has been difficult obviously for anyone to get and that's a common thing like every people are friends with everybody but izzy but you have still cracked the the axle shell you know you've gotten to speak with him a couple times what has stood out more as far as like which interview has stood out more the one from that metal show or with was it sebastian bach and mike Pia no mike piazza wasn't there was sebastian bach was no. there at q right and then axel yeah. was next door and just showed up yeah uh, definitely the radio one first. The the one for that metal show was really one I wish I had back. It was fine, but it was not the interview that I would have hoped to have done. It was just, and look, I'm not making excuses for it, but it's just being truthful. We waited about 14 hours for that interview. Um, wow. The stories that I could tell you surrounding that interview are pretty amazing but but maybe not for people that really know especially what was going on with guns at that time when they were going on at midnight and all that sort of stuff but we went down there to miami to do that episode without really having a commitment that he was going to do the show it was kind of like taking a gamble and uh the manager he was working with at the time because he was going through a lot of managers but he had a manager at the time named Peter Katzis, who's still a major manager in the rock industry. And, you know, Peter sort of brokered that for us in a way. And the the vibe, the idea was like, well, you don't know if we're really going to get him, but 
I think we put it in his ear and you will get him if you're actually there and set up and we'll see how it goes and take a shot and let's go for it. So we flew to Miami thinking it was fairly set up. And then when we got there, we had a, a room down the hall. We set up our gear. We set up the set. And I remember we got there like two o'clock in the one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And they were playing that night. And I will never forget this. I was standing back by the ramp because the initial report was like, okay, he's going to do it like at 6 p.m. And then they're going to play. And I'm like, that'd be amazing. We get the interview. We get to watch the show. We go to our hotels. Done. And I remember, I'll never forget, he walked down the ramp, Axel did, at like 3.15 with his dog and walking towards the dressing room, which was the opposite hall that we were in. And he saw me. I was on the phone and he saw me and he waved. And I was just like, wow, he's actually here already. This is going to happen. And it's going to happen like on time and the way it's supposed to. Well, anything but because the interview didn't happen until literally 5 a.m. So if that was 3, 3 ish in the afternoon, the interview happened uh, 14, 15 hours after that moment. Wow, and, Jesus. And they went, you know, they went on and they played at, they went on at, I think, around midnight. It was the American Airlines Arena in Miami. They went on at midnight. They played till just after 3 a.m. I kept wanting to get out of there. I kept saying to my producer, he's never coming and doing an interview after this show this late. We got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. And my producer was not having it because he's just like, we're here and we're set up. And until I know he's left the building, we are not leaving. That's a good producer. And to his <laughs> credit, but, but I got to tell you, Brandon, I mean, we were nodding off. Mm so tired we were sitting in the back in those chairs literally nodding off the band played we would pop our heads out watch some songs come back try to close our eyes for a little bit i mean we had already been there for hours and we were just wiped out all of us and just kind of over it and uh i remember it was about four o'clock in the morning and we walked me and my producer walked down to where the guns and roses guys were and they were having beers, sitting back in the hallway, like it was like new. <laughs> and we were like, you know, our eyes were like just bloodshot, and we were just <laughs> fried. And we just went up to them, and they go, "We're calling this. Obviously, this isn't happening." And then somebody from the crew came out, was like, "Oh no, he's going to do it. Just hang out." We're like, "He's still here." <laughs> and they were like, "Oh yeah, he'll be down." And then, sure enough, like literally five in the morning, he walks in fresh as a daisy. With DJ Ashba, who was in the band at the time. Right. And that's another thing people have seen that interview always ask me, like, why the hell was DJ there? Right. And you guys didn't even talk to him. Well, the reason why that was is because Axel wanted him there. And DJ, and he and I have talked about this countless times since, DJ knows that, like, if you, you're getting Axel Rose on TV for the first time in 15 years, no one's going to talk to him. <laughs> You've got to talk right. to Axel. It's no disrespect to DJ, but he know, he knew that better than anyone. Yeah, it's, this is so, the reality um, of it. Yeah. yeah, he just wanted him there as like a security blanket or whatever. And I remember Axel came in, and once he came in, he was great. I mean, he was fine. He was like, remember, he kept saying uh, to me, I didn't even know you guys were still here set up to do this. I didn't even know I was doing this. So there was some communication like amongst people backstage that they were – 
that that maybe the whole thing was never really accurately relayed to Axel. And he just kind of said, oh, those guys are still here. Yeah, what are they doing? And then it was sort of like, well, let's just grab them and make it real spontaneous. Whatever the case may be, obviously we got something really pretty unique at the time. I just, from an interview content standpoint and an alertness standpoint, I just wish that you know I wasn't literally on fumes doing it. So it was totally different. Than, than what the radio thing was, which was earlier than that, because the radio thing was completely spontaneous, and I went on the air that day having no idea he was going to come in and that that was going to happen. That just happened. That happened because of Sebastian Bach, who was the scheduled guest in the studio, and Sebastian uh, started getting texts from Axel for the first time ever and invited him to come to the studio, and he did why do you think it's so hard? Because Sebastian and Axel are kind of from the same cloth. They're really good friends. Why is it that it's so hard to interview Axel Rose? And I'm not talking about just the, the Chinese democracy era that, I mean, that, that could be another whole conversation. But today, when he's out and about, they're constantly touring. It's the never-ending tour. It's, it's, not, it's more than not in his lifetime. It's forever in a lifetime. What, is there something that, I know you don't know him maybe personally. You're not as friendly with Axel as you are with Slash. But what is it about Axel Rose that makes him such a hard person to, to track down and, and just speak and just have you know and, and just promote an album? Why is it so difficult? Well, you're right. I certainly don't know him anywhere close to what I know Slash or Duff or those guys at all. Not even close. But I mean, Slash and Duff are friends, and I text them and we're in touch. And I mean, I'll never forget. You know when when. Uh, I mean, those guys, and they don't ever change. And, you know, we're, 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 I definitely feel like we're friendly beyond just being in the business. I mean, Duff reached out to me when they played in LA and he's like, Hey, are you set? Are you coming? Do you need anything? I mean, that stuff means a lot to me. Hmm. So, um, but Axel, it's just been really some interesting experiences with he and I over the years, but no, I certainly would never say I know him very well, but, uh, I don't know. To answer your question, my my only my only assumption is that there's a lot of walls around him. I think that he he has a very close knit camp around him, and uh, that's probably good. I mean, look what's happening in the last few years for them has been great, going on on time and productive, and as far as playing shows, so that's all great. But I think guys sometimes get really really insulated and the people that are around uh guys like that are super protective and i think that um you know there's a real sensitivity about subject matter and what may or may not be asked and what they do or don't want to talk about and as a result it's kind of like you know these walls go up and it's very hard to penetrate the walls. And I think some people are just at a point where it's like, well, you know what? I mean, I don't have anything to sell. The tickets are all selling for the shows. I don't need to talk. I mean, there is a certain level of mystique, you know, that, that, sure. that you want to keep going to. I mean, I think that we're in a world where sometimes people go over the, over the, you know, overboard where way too many saying way too much about themselves or on social media every 10 minutes here's right. what i eat here's right. what i you know i went to the post office i went here and so so there's a balance i think so he's obviously and his camp are the complete other extreme of that balance 
I think there's a real concern of trust. You know, I think they, they have a real concern about trust and it getting maybe too tabloidish or going in areas they don't want to go. And mm. instead of trying to control it, I think the decision is just basically like we just don't do anything for the most part. And um, it's unfortunate. But again, you can do that when you don't have anything to sell. And and the Guns N' Roses tour initially, those first two, three years, they, they didn't need they, they had no problem selling tickets, so it was blanket, no media. Um, going forward now, I think, is a really interesting time because what I call the holy shit factor of them being reunited is now gone. Everybody right. knows this is the band. Everybody knows these guys are back together. Most people have seen the show or had the opportunity to two, three, four times. There still is no new music of any kind. So it's reaching a point, I think, where they'll always do business. And they'll always be a festival headliner and they'll always draw some people and do well. But if they want to, uh, you know, give it a kick... Then yeah, it's, it's, he's going to have to start getting out there and working it a little bit, maybe on the media end, and of course potentially put out at least a new song, which you know I'm not convinced is going to happen. So I don't know. I, I I I can only say that I've never had anything but positive experiences with him. The two interviews that I did both were real positive. After the radio one, we went out in the city for a couple hours. We were out till all hours hanging out. And it was great. I've had nothing but positives with him. And I'll tell you one other thing, too, that um, he <laughs> he technically owes me an interview. Right. And, and what I mean by that is that that very first show that he did in Vegas, when this all started, that I was out, I was leaving the venue. Because, again, even that now they've gone on reasonable times the whole time. But that, those first two shows back in Vegas at T-Mobile, he, maybe because it was Vegas or whatever, they went on late. They went on like 11.30 and didn't finish till like 3 in the morning, 2.33 in the morning, those initial shows. And I remember I was walking out of the building at 3 o'clock in the morning, which being an East Coast guy, it was 6 o'clock on my clock. And my phone rang, and it was the... You know, it was the Axel's management, and they said, "Hey, we heard you're here. Why don't you come back and say hi?" So I pulled a U-turn in the lobby, and Dell came out and got me. And we went. I went back in the hall. I saw Slash briefly, and there's Axel sitting in the the chair, the wheelchair, because because or the chair, because you know that's when he had broken his leg. Right. And the rumor at that time, Brandon, was all about him doing acdc mm. i mean if you think about it how crazy it is is all the hype and excitement that guns and roses is back like this but then all anyone was talking about is the acdc rumor true right and i didn't believe the acdc rumor was true for a minute wow. because i was just like there's no way relaunching this thing as huge as it is that he's going to then go take on a, a gig with acdc so I didn't believe it for a minute. Wow. And I will never forget this. He he motions for me to come over to him. There's photos of me talking to him. He's he's in the chair, wheelchair. He motions for me to lean down because he wants to tell me something in my ear. And he said, he leans into my ear and he goes, all the ACDC stuff that you're hearing? I said, yeah. 
And I was totally prepared for him to say, it's all bullshit. And he goes, it's all true. Nice. I don't, I don't know who was in the hall taking photos, but it's like, you, it's almost like cartoon frames. You can see my face being like, what? <laughs> and he goes, uh, yeah, it's all true. He said, I rehearsed with them. He goes, man, singing. I think he said, shoot the thrill as a bitch or something. He started, but he was like a kid in a candy store lit up about having done it and that he was going to do it. And he had to tell me. And I said, man, I thought for sure that was all nonsense. He goes, no. He goes, I'm doing it. And he goes, listen, I'm trusting you. He goes, I'm telling you. He said, keep it under your hat. It's going to be announced in a few days. And then after it goes properly announced, he said, uh, and goes, you know, gets out there officially, he said, I'll give you the one interview I'll do about it. Okay. I said, you got a deal. So I never said a word. <laughs> Sure enough, two, three days later, got announced. I'm still waiting on the interview. <laughs> I, I hope I, I hope you get it because I want to know more about you know, what fans coined Axel DC. And I, I guess I'll end on – it's like a kind of a coupled question because I know you're still busy. Yeah, that, you're, cool. uh, so both with Axel DC because I – were you at the Madison Square Garden show? No. I did not see Axel sing with, oh, with it, Guns. It was, with it was honestly like – if not the best show I've ever seen, you know, it was one of the best. I, I was blown away. Like his voice has, when I've seen Guns N' Roses and both the Buckethead version and the reunion, like Axel's voice was not, was, was the best with Angus Young. It was really, it was really something to see. So with seeing that, you know, obviously I want Brian, you know, to be healthy and, and he is ACDC, but I would love a new ACDC record to hopefully maybe include some Axel DC, whether it's, uh, one track with just Axel singing, or it's, it's a duet with Brian and Axel. Do you have any, I guess, um, like guesses, or you know, do you do you want the same thing? Do you want us? Would you do you want Brian back and just ACDC continue as they were before Axel, or were you convinced that you know Axel and Angus have something there, and, and, and that shouldn't be the end of it? My take on it, and again, and this is just me talking as a fan. I sure. don't, I don't know in one way or the other. But and, and I did not see Axel with ACDC. I, I I think first of all, I never ever ever bought. I, I never liked the way ACDC handled the whole Brian Johnson thing. Yeah, it was weird. I thought that that was really really something was really not right there. A uh, guy who gave them nearly you know forty years saying on their biggest record, and then overnight it was like, well, we'll just get another guy now. Now, granted, the other guy was Axl Rose, but there's a lot there. But still, it just it just didn't sit right with me. I know Brian; he's a wonderful guy, and it just something. There's way more to that story one day, I think, than that will come out. Mm. So I was kind of like, as much as I was happy for Axl, and I heard from everybody he did a great job. I was kind of put off by the whole thing, which of course had nothing to do with Axl, but it, I just was kind of put off with the way the whole thing was handled. So it lost some of its interest for me. At that time, because I just felt like Brian got a raw deal. Um, but I, I think my take on that whole situation was that ACDC had tickets sold. They had gigs left. They didn't want to get into canceling gigs and refunding money. And they needed a guy with a huge name that would make people want to still go to the shows. Axel stepped in. 
he lived out his fantasy for however long it lasted. Right. But I never looked at it as being a long-term thing going forward. Okay. I think it was a Band-Aid at the time and that worked for most people. And that if that band is going to continue, like the rumors are they, they, they will, then it's going to be with Brian Johnson. And the rumor is this record that they made is a tribute to Malcolm mm. and that it's with the classic Back in Black lineup. Uh, with Malcolm still on it from stuff he had recorded or written. So I don't think any potential future ACDC stuff is 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 with Axel involved. Okay. But that's just me that's just me speaking from like, you know, how I feel about it and what I would assume. I, I, I honestly don't know definitively at all. But I think that going forward for A C D C if there is a future, I think it's it's that. I think it's this this record they apparently made with the original or the classic lineup as a tribute to Malcolm. And look, I know for a fact they were soliciting for advertising for some product about six weeks ago. And I have a feeling that ACDC might be backburnered right now if they are in fact going to come back because they are probably, uh, you know, dealing with the same thing, the fallout from the virus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and certainly when you're, of the age, your older age, and if Brian has had some health issues, you, it's not just the fans. You want to make sure the band is okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I understand that for sure. And I, I wanted to talk to you as just a fan uh, as how you felt yeah, about no, it. Look, I would tell you if I knew something. Sure. I just think that I, I just looked at the whole, to me, the whole Axel ACDC thing was to finish off those dates, and that's it. I, I don't think if, if Axel is at this point still up to this point unable to make a record with his own band um that he owns and runs and controls i i would find it pretty pretty shocking if he went and made a record with another band a different band that wasn't right. his band so that that's just my take as an outsider but we all know too in this world anything's possible so that is true uh then, then let me ask then and we can end on on this uh this thought with the new album and there are a lot of guns N' roses fans that just don't want axel dc because you, just based upon what you just said put out a guns N' roses record first now i know on your show trunk nation and i've had him on my podcast before too the the fan uh, Rick Dunsford that leaked a lot of this. Uh, well, he was involved in the leaks. I don't know if he he wasn't really the guy who leaked a lot of the um, the Chinese democracy era songs that are out there. So are you because you mentioned it before briefly? Do you, you just don't have a lot of faith in any new Guns music? And with that, do they even need to make new music? Well, I. I I personally, just knowing the way they're constituted and set up and the way they operate and the different factions within that band, and I mean, it's not a secret. I mean, it's Axel's thing. He owns it. He owns the name and what have you. And then Slash has his camp and Duff has his camp and then the other guys are slotted in and whatever. I, I just think that... And knowing how long Chinese democracy took and all the different players that are on that and what that ended up becoming, I just think it's pretty – I just think that because of the dynamic and the way it is, I would, I personally would be very surprised if we got a record. Uh, very surprised. It would, would, to maybe get a song? That's That, I'd say, is a 50-50 proposition hmm. at some point. But a full 
album, uh, I, I'd be shocked. That being said, they could be in there making one right now, and we don't even know about it. I mean, <laughs> the, way, the way records can be made today, you don't need to be in the same room. No. You don't even need to see anybody. You can literally just send files around. But look, the, the way Axel has worked has improved greatly in terms of efficiency since Slash and Duff have been back there. Because when it was all the other lineups of the band, that's when you were getting them going on at midnight. And it just was like, you know, you never knew what the hell was happening. So now they fixed all that in terms of the live shows. Have they been able to fix it behind the scenes where there's enough focus and commitment to getting into a studio? But I've just said many times, creating a new record and touring are such different things. Touring, especially when you're talking about the singer, you know, those guys can go into a rehearsal studio, they can all get the music as tight as possible. Axel can, you know, plug in when he needs to. They can get the set down. Once the set's down, it's on autopilot and they just go. And go for three years, just keep going. Everybody knows what they need to do. Everybody's got their own camps, their own dressing rooms. They show up, they roll on stage, they knock the set out. They're in their cars sometimes before house lights and on to the next. So that becomes a machine. To make a record, that's a creative process like we're from scratch. you got to really, even if you're in different states or different rooms, you got to really be committed to it. you got to work on it. you got to write. you got to craft the songs you got to work with the engineers and the producers. you got to make sure you like the mixes. There's just so many things and, and factors of that that you got to really be a, a, on, on sort of the same page. And I just don't know if they're set up that way right now. But I do believe, to answer your final part of this, you know, I do believe that it's going to reach a point where they will need something mm. to give this a jolt. I mean, the... Before everything got shut down with touring, I had started to read some articles where some of the areas, you know, tickets were not great in terms of sales out of the gate. Right. And that's, that's, there's no shame in that. It's, it's actually quite logical because there's been no media and no new music. And again, tickets aren't cheap and every market's had two, three opportunities to see them. So I think when push comes to shove, it's going to take something, whether it's a video, whether it's doing press and doing the rounds and being really accessible, whether it's a new song, a new song tied to a soundtrack at the biggest thing, a new record. I mean, it's going to take something. It's not to say for a minute that they ever could. They will always be able to go headline a festival. They will always be able to go play an arena. But to really get the business to anywhere close to what it was initially there's a lot of competition out there. Money, you know, money's getting tighter for a lot of people, especially right now. So I think it's going to, you know, you need to throw another log on the fire, so to speak, at some point to really give it a kick. What do you think, actually, while I still have you, what do you think of what some bands are doing? Uh, Dave Matthews had a, you know, a, a personal concert that everyone could watch on the TV. Uh, this uh, past Sunday, iHeart put on a concert with Billy Eilish, Elton John. Do you foresee? Right, yeah. yeah. Do you foresee this being in the future? Are people going to come back to concerts? Uh, what do you, What do you? What's your prediction going forward to enjoy music? I don't know. 
but you know, again, that's a that's a perfect example of somebody like Axel. I mean, I don't really see him doing something like that. Mm. I mean, there's just there's just very there's just not Axel sort of things, and that's what I'm. That's kind of my point about if he's really going to want to get out there and work it, it's going to take doing things like that. It's going to take coming in and doing radio shows and TV shows and and what have you. I just don't know if he's wired like that right now. But the bigger question about the future, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I really. I really don't know what to think anymore as far as where we're going to go in the aftermath of this. Um, look, I've t- a, a big, big, big way that artists make extra money on the road right now is through paid meet and greets. Mm. And I think that's going to be a real question mark going forward. It's going to be tough for a lot of artists because they love that extra money. And for smaller artists... It can be a really important extra money. For the bigger artists, it's just a ton more money. So to leave that on the table is going to be a really hard pill to swallow. But I can't see these people wanting to sit in a room with fans and wanting to shake hands and take photos with them, no matter what they're paying them, with this concern sort of floating around out there. I think it's going to be a while before we're fully recovered from this, even when the whole thing calms down. I think we're going to... I think you're going to see some artists that some already were germaphobes and real leery of doing stuff. And then you're going to see, and, and you're going to see some artists who should be like, screw it. I'm going to go do it. Cause this is what I do. Um, really hard to say, but I mean, I, I, I'm hearing that we're going to see the whole summer get blown out at some point. Mm-hmm. And there's some people even talking about the, the year being blown out. So, I, I don't know, but on the other side of it, I definitely think things are going to change. And I think, I mean, I don't even know if we'll ever be shaking hands anymore as a greeting for people. It's just, it's just a weird, weird time, and it's a scary time. And uh, I, I do think the other part of it is we're looking at the perfect storm right now in terms of when shows start up. Everyone's going to try to recoup because this is where these guys make their money and get back out there on the road. They're all going to try to do it. And I already think we were dangerously close to having way too many shows and festivals. And now it could be double what we had against the backdrop of a lot of people not having money and because they lost their work and they lost their job. Right. So it's a real slippery slope and it's a real interesting time. The optimist in me wants to say everything's going to bounce back. People are going to get right back on the horse. The economy is going to come back. People are going to be dying to get back out there and we'll, we'll recover pretty quickly. But the reality is, I mean, I hear from people on my show every day that they bought tickets and dropped two grand and now those shows are postponed for a year and they want a refund because they lost their job. They can't have that much money floating out there for tickets. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, I'm just taking it as we all should, I think, is day by day, watch the news, listen to the experts, you know, and just it's it just reminds me of just all those people before this pandemic. They just didn't wash their hands. So hopefully people just going forward after going to the bathroom, even if you don't pee on yourself, wash your hands, please. So just, uh, well, Eddie, I mean, thank you so much for your time. Sorry to end on such an awkward note. But, no, it's not at all. I appreciate <laughs> you having me. It's good to talk to you, and I, I wish everybody good health out there. And yes, of course, wash your hands and be, you know, socially distance and all that. I mean, I, I, I'm lucky that I've got some room in my house where 
every, my family can all still have sort of their, 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 their own areas. And I'm lucky that I can work from home. And even though it's, I'm taking some hits, my, my core jobs are still there, which is I'm thankful for. But you think of people who either live on their own or live in a small apartment with a couple people, and I'm sure that they're at each other's throats right now <laughs> to some degree. But if we can all suck it up, then maybe it's all the sooner that we can get back on the other side of it. Well, and, and people are now are, are going back and just listening to music, listening to podcasts, listening to radio while we're home. So I know a lot of people appreciate what you do, and I'm grateful for those who message me appreciating what I do. So, Eddie, you know, when this is – all over at some point, you know, next time you are in Tribeca uh, at, at Q104, I would love to to meet you and just uh, not shake your hand. We'll fist bump or we'll, we'll elbow or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, yeah, if we got some Purell, though, we might get crazy and do a handshake. I mean, you know, who knows? Hey, they got, but they, yeah, no, yeah. I appreciate you having me, Brandon. I always love talking rock. And like I said, it's what I do for a living now every day on Sirius XM on on, uh, on channel 106 volume and anybody listening can check me out there and actually what's really cool right now is the Sirius XM is streaming for free now through yeah. the middle of May so you don't even need to, a subscription to hear the stream so people listening can check me out because that's all I do every day is talk rock for a couple hours and it's 2 to 4 and 10 to midnight Eastern on 106 and then uh, very happy and proud that I've got my show still being heard on Q104 in New York and yep. uh, some other great affiliates. And on, on in New York, I'm on uh, Friday nights 11P to 2A. And that's more music intensive. And people can, of course, get that on the iHeartRadio app as mm -hmm. well. So it's been, uh, you know, it's been great. It's been 37 years in radio total and wow. very lucky and blessed to have built the audience uh, that, I, that I have. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for it every day. Well, I'm trying to climb the ladder to be the uh, the shorter Jewisher Eddie Trunk in my career. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man, I can't do it forever. I mean, I, I'm hoping I can get another good ten years. I'm 55. I started right out of high school, and I'm hoping if I can get another solid ten years in TV radio, about that time, then I'll I'll want to sort of dial it back a little bit maybe just do a podcast a week or something and i'll be sitting somewhere and you know by a pool and not taking calls from anybody but just pumping one thing out a week that would be kind of nice but i still have two kids that are young and coming up on call talking about college so mm. my, my working days are far from over unfortunately. <laughs> you'll be you'll be around for a long time eddie again thank you so much i uh, hope we get to do this again soon and just stay safe and um, and yeah, so obviously I'll, I'll put this out in a podcast as I'm still talking live and I'll send it to you and more people will get to uh, talk about Guns N' Roses with, uh, you got it, Brandon, anytime happy to be on with you. Thank you for having me and let me know when you post it. I'll put a link on my socials for everybody to check out and, uh, best of luck with it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Eddie. Be all right, Brandon. Thank you, man. Stay safe. Bye-bye. See ya. What a nice guy. And thanks to all of you who were watching this conversation live and participating I'm really starting to enjoy doing these Facebook Lives while recording. Even when things are, are back to quote-unquote normal, whether I'm back in the studio or I finally spruce up what I have going on at home, I think I'm going to do more of these live uh, podcasts. I think it's it's more fun this way. And it really makes me feel good whenever a a guest tells me a story that and, and they say, I don't think I've told this before. Especially Eddie Trunk, who talks every day for a living. What do you think about what he said with, with, with Slash calling him? What did you hear about this Guns N' Roses thing? I don't know what you're talking about. Did he really just flat out misdirect Eddie 
and, and, and just brilliantly, you know, to have that foresight. That's, that's, that's like you, something you do if you commit a crime, you know, you create an alibi. Or did somehow Axel and Slash reunite in those three days? I I, I don't know. I want to know what you think. Facebook.com slash the AFD show. Twitter uh, at the AFD show. Even on Instagram, Appetite for Distortion. Uh, we do have an email as well. I, um, sometimes you guys reach out to me that way. The AFD show at gmail.com. And of course, I obviously appreciate you hanging out, whether it be via iHeartRadio or Spreaker or SoundCloud or Stitcher. You could always leave comments on those platforms as well. And please leave reviews as well. Since we're all quarantined, I've gotten a, a few uh, messages saying, I finally found this podcast. Thank you so much. You know, for And people are still finding us. You know, a lot of you have been around since episode one, but getting new listeners all the time. So tell a friend. Okay, so um, coming up, as far as future guests, I'm working really hard to get uh, Eric Dover this time. He has a new project coming out. I have a good contact for him, so hopefully I will get former Slash the Snake Pit singer, Eric Dover. It's been been hard because he's kind of elusive. I know uh, he did a print interview maybe last year, I think, with our friend Matt Wake. But podcasts, I don't know if he does too many. So hopefully that does happen. And I, I also will say on the way, we will be speaking with Greg Renoff. I announced it uh, last week. Then I postponed it because the Doug Goldstein interview came out of nowhere. Um, even though we were talking, I just didn't expect it to happen right then and there. So Greg Renoff, uh, author of Van Halen Rising, and he also wrote a Ted Templeton book. So if you've noticed on social media, we've been doing some Guns N' Roses versus or Guns N' Roses Van Halen comparisons not really you know uh, it's not really like a versus or who's better it's just more of a fun topic of conversation I love both of those bands and uh, we'll talk with, to Greg about that maybe you know, what do you and we'll read some of your comments the best debut album Appetite or Van Halen one you know what was um, who do you prefer do you prefer the Chinese democracy era of Guns N' Roses, or do you prefer Van Hagar? Hmm. Things to think about. So, uh, until the next episode, if you want to leave comments on those, just use all the platforms I told you before. And until next time, when will you see the episode? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Security, I'm going home.